All right. So today we are talking with Romina Kostic, who is a trainer and coach in New York, who specializes with training runners. And we are very lucky to be talking with her today. So thanks a lot for doing this, Romina. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> and I know, I know I just mentioned that you uh, work mostly with runners. That's correct, right? Yep. So I, um, I work with them from the strength and performance side. Um, when I first decided to niche down and work specifically with runners, um, I was still working in person. Right now I'm online. And in New York City, I feel like there's a huge running community. You could really say that about the world, I guess, because you don't need equipment to do the sport. You just need right. like road. Um, and what I noticed was that there, there were already a lot of great running coaches. So people that were programming people for preparing them for marathon and uh, marathons and races in terms of mileage and intensity and the actual running side. Um, but I wasn't aware of at the time of anyone working with them from the strength and performance side to complement the running coaches programming. Um, and so that's something that I wanted to, to hone in on. <laughs> My dog is, in, I don't know if this is recorded live, but hopefully he doesn't drop. No um, and that, that's, that's an opportunity I saw, not just as um, like a business market for me to enter to as a trainer uh, working for myself, but also in terms of those runners don't have someone working with them, helping them from that aspect of training. Um, and at the same time, I didn't feel that, um, let's say current, gyms or facilities that did provide that stuff were being as specific as they could be. Um, and what I mean by that is more so like starting off with a really tailored assess assessment to determine what that person or maybe small group would need in terms of training and where to start from and how to take them to where they need to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, what have you found was the most lacking with runners, mostly focusing on like the conditioning side of thing? I think, I think it was context. And what I mean by that is I think every runner has heard like, oh, you really have to work on your hips. You have to strengthen your glutes. Um, you have to do calf raises. You have to strengthen your core, just kind of general things that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, but that it's, it's quite a generic piece of advice. And the way that someone goes about it might be different from the way someone else goes about it might be different than a way that I go about it. Mm -hmm. um, and on top of that, because of how fitness has taught the general population on how to exercise, I think a lot of people were thinking, all right, I have to do these crunches. I have to do sit-ups. I have to squeeze my abs in a plank. I have to clench my butt to do a bridge and do these clamshells and band walks. And I mean, that stuff still exists and I'm not saying it's useless. I think it has a place and a purpose, but to give a cookie cutter template approach to working on your hips for the sake of better running and optimized gait and those things, that's where I felt like the, there was a lack in terms of context. Yeah. Like there was kind of a disconnect between the general prescription of what you should be doing as a runner and how to actually go about it and which specific exercises to be doing. Totally. I totally agree with that. Um, how did you wind up in this industry in the first place? How did you get started with the fitness side of things? The, the short story is that I was in an office job and I wanted to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's all I looked forward to. I, my undergrad was in advertising and communications. 
Um, I went to FIT, the Fashion Institute here in the city. And before that, I was in fashion merchandising, but just found out I wasn't in love with it to do that for a career. So I switched to advertising, did a ton of internships with, um, with that communications degree, you could really do anything. Um, but a lot of it was in like production, some TV stuff, some radio stuff and advertising agencies. And what I liked was the people. I loved the different kinds of personalities and the people and the age differences. It just challenged you in a good way, but I didn't like being chained to a desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was ultimately the deal breaker for me. Right. So, so I, I just didn't love what I was doing enough to make it, to make sitting at a desk worth my time and my body didn't like it either. So the gym once 5 PM hit was what I looked forward to. And at the same time, like I had done a few sessions with the trainer. I was like 18 at the time. And I never, I never knew what strength training was. He gave me 40 pound dumbbells (laughs) and it was a, it was a very cool experience to see that not just my body changed. Like I got leaner, my, the way I ate was changing to help guide that. And I thought it was just really cool that you could do those things with your body. And I was like, man, if I could do this, I could show other people how to do this. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of the short story. And um, I think I was, it was 2013 that I decided to make the switch. And then early 2014, I got certified and started working as a trainer and like did the full career switch. Yeah. So you, you were in person for a while and now you're totally online. I was in person from the beginning, from 2014. Online training just wasn't a thing, like at least not that I was aware of. Um, and was in person, and I still have a couple that I train in person here in New York, but I'm now pretty much everything else, 99% online because of the pandemic. Like otherwise, I don't know if that would have happened, but I ultimately lost all of my in-person clients um, once March 2020 hit. Mm-hmm. I just happen to have clients who they either commuted into the city from the suburbs or um, they happen to have homes elsewhere in the country that they ultimately decided to leave New York and move to and didn't come back. Yeah. So starting online and, and growing online was my only option to survive. Right. I feel yeah. Did any of your uh, people who moved out of New York move to Maine? Because we've got a ton of New Yorkers moving into Maine right now. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I hear it's really pretty. My uh, my sister has gone a lot with her husband and uh, like they're by the water and they say it's absolutely beautiful. I haven't been myself, but I don't know if any of my clients have gone there to move, but I'm, I'm not surprised that New Yorkers are going there. Yeah. I'm not surprised New Yorkers are leaving New York. I'm not surprised <laughs> they're going to places like Maine. I'm kind of next on that list at some point. <laughs> We'd be happy to have you over here. Um. And so how did you end up being on the running side of things when you got into fitness? When did you make that transition into kind of niching down? The niching, I think it was, I think it was 2020 because part of entering the online space, um, which was so new to me, like it, I was just taking my first steps as a child type of thing. Like I didn't know how to walk. So Um, I had a mentor at the time and she was recommending, look, whether you're online or not, just from a business perspective of being a personal trainer and you're self-employed, like it's very helpful to establish a niche for yourself so that not only is marketing a lot more direct and you have someone that you're speaking to, but it makes your messaging a lot clearer. It's resonating with the the person that you want to connect with 
Um, and not so much like in a salesy way, but to show them like, hey, I know what you're struggling with. I understand where you're coming from. I've been there too myself. Um, and this is my experience as a runner. And, but before the niche in terms of working with runners, I'd always worked with runners. I'd say from the moment I started training, but um, I think now that I've been eight years a trainer, the things I do now are nothing like the things I did eight years ago. Um, and so strength was, was always something I did with people. I was just a person who provided strength training regardless of what their goals were. I just made it tailored. Um, and then, but I just found myself working with a fair amount of runners as a personal trainer in New York. And in 2018, um, I came across Derek Hansen and he had a running mechanics professional course that he had recently put out. And I think New York City was one of the first like places he actually launched the course where you go in person. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it was around that time. I also saw him present at the melding of models seminar, which I think was October, 2018 or 19, but around that time. So I saw him a couple of times teaching his coursework um, and I signed up because I worked with runners as a personal trainer, but had no actual knowledge or education on running itself. Mm -hmm. Like I'd never gone to a running course. Like I just, it's just not something that I had in terms of a, a skill and expertise level. And I was like, well, I'm working with these people. I might as well actually learn about what's necessary. What are requirements? What does good running look like? What are things to look out for? How do you coach, um, to improve different skills? And I feel like I got a lot of those answers out of his course. And then I started diving into, um, I mean, I had a lot of free time in my hands once 2020 hit. So <laughs> I dove a lot into um, education or at least connecting with people online, um, learned from people like Adarian Barr. He was putting on some weekly um, like Zoom talks that you could sign up for. And he would discuss things that were completely over my head in terms of sprint mechanics. But like the more I listened to him over the few weeks and months that I learned, it started to connect the dots a little bit and um, also learned or got to learn from Joel Smith and not directly, but just from his, um, I bought his book and I learned, listened to a few of his things he had to say on podcasts and talks like that. Um, the coach I was working with at the time, um, Ryan Hopkins from Soho Strength Lab, he was programming for me and he was also, sometimes he would work with me in person um, and from him, I was doing, I was learning sprinting stuff because I figured like if I'm going to teach this stuff, I have to know how to do it myself. Um, and then just fell in love with sprinting. <laughs> it's just really fun. And you, I didn't realize how slow I actually was until I tried to sprint. <laughs> um, but the cool thing is that if you actually just try to run fast, like you do actually get faster. And I saw my numbers go up really gradually. And all of that tied together with also happening to know PRI and taking those courses and learning from people like Katie St. Clair and Connor Harris, Alex Efforts, it just all kind of tied things together because they were talking about gait, but in a way that you're applying those principles to strength training and all the, the diaphragm pelvic floor stuff, it just all starts to make sense. It's like, it's really all the same thing, mm -hmm. whether you're a running coach, whether you're PRI, whether you're strength and perform, it's just all the same thing. And the way that you tr decide to turn it into a soup and give it to someone as a program, like that comes down to assessment, but you can be really creative with what you do with someone. And I think having that knowledge base just, it made sense for me to kind of just make it all into one thing and be very versatile with what I can offer in terms of a service. Mm -hmm. So do you, um, when you're coaching your runners, do you, 
have like a, a specific program that you put everybody through or do you coach people individually? I do have um, a runner's team program, which is a 16 week pre-made template that people can sign up for and that you can just purchase, purchase it off my website for, um, you can either do it like a monthly payment or you can purchase it in full. Um, and that was something that like a brainchild of me that I wanted to kind of take what I knew, had learned from all these mentors, learned about running and put it into a program that it's not going to be tailored because it's a template and it's something that you can purchase for yourself and do, but it still addresses kind of the requisites that you need to be able to do in terms of what's happening at the hips, what's happening at the foot, what's happening at the ribs and break it down a little bit where you're still doing strength training, you're still doing plyos, you're still running, um, but also make it doable for people during a time when there's a pandemic happening. So it's at home with minimal equipment, three days a week. And um, I had a fair amount of people sign up for it and they said it was, it was great and they loved it. Um, and at some point I'd like to update it and make a 2.0 version just because it's been a couple of years, almost two years since I put it out. Yeah. And not that it's a bad program. It's, I think it's great. It's just, I'm personally a perfectionist and I, I want to make sure that I'm always putting my best out there and my best has now been upgraded. Yeah. Um, but I do work one-on-one -on -one with people primarily. That program is the only template that I have. Everything else is completely custom. So I always start with an assessment and then that determines how I'm going to design the program for someone. Mm -hmm. How did you, uh, for, for your one-on-one -on -one people, how did you transition from that in-person space to the online world? How did you figure out how to go from coaching somebody where you can actually see them 3D to virtually? Yeah, well, I couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't, I decided like it's going to be a screen. Um, I guess it was just a learning curve. Uh -huh. the, the thing is like, I started with clients I already had. So it wasn't like now all of my clients are completely new and I, the ones I get are completely new. I don't know them. They're from anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. But when I first started, it was okay. My current clients who are now no longer in person in New York, let's do zoom sessions. Yeah. So there, there was already like, we had the relationship, we had the rapport, we, we knew the exercises we've been doing together for one, two, three years. Um, and it was just a matter of, all right, I'm just going to watch you through a screen. That's the only difference. Mm -hmm. But um, I think my communication got a lot better. Um, I became a director in terms of camera angles, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a director in terms of, hey, all right, move, move to the center of the frame, move to the right, good, step in with your left foot, turn it this way. Like just little details that for me, they just make a difference because if I'm going to be coaching you virtually, like it matters that I see certain angles to make sure that even though it looks great from the side, if I look at you from the back and I see that your hips haven't quite oriented over the foot, I want you to load, then it's like, okay, I'm missing a step here. No wonder they're not um, getting this outcome I'm looking for. Yeah. So that's been a learning curve with, I feel like now I'm, it's been almost two years that I've been doing it, I guess. So it, it feels a lot more natural, but for, for people, I also try to make it feel seamless. Like I also work with people who have never done virtual training and I don't want it to, to feel like a, a burden for them to have to know how to angle their laptop and camera. Like I have it all written out for them before we meet, like, Hey, this is what I'm going to ask for you. Just be prepared to move your angle around. They're going to need to see these views. And mm -hmm. hopefully that makes it a little bit easier, but it's, it's not, it's not hard. I think it's just 
we're working with the circumstances, um, but I wouldn't say there's any limitations. Clearly I can't walk around the person like I could in an in-person session, but that's also where like the, the substitution for that comes in. So you're gonna angle me differently. You're gonna show me your backside, your front side, your side, not for every exercise, but whenever I feel like there's something else we need to look for, I'm gonna make sure that we do. Yeah, that's awesome. You got it down to a science, it sounds like. Yeah, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. And so you said basically all of your one-on-one -on -one clients are now new and that they're totally virtual. So you at one point had to find all of those new clients. How did you go about marketing for yourself? It started with social. And yeah. I, I hired a marketing mentor because I didn't know how to do this for myself. Um, I was good at like the actual training, but the business side I needed help with because I didn't know how to grow online. Right. And it, it helps a lot. Um, I worked with Beverly Simpson for a while and she helped me understand how to like, just how to write, how to use what I know, but put it into words that connect with the person that I'm looking to work with. Um, and I was, I use social media a lot more. I haven't really touched Instagram for a little while, but I was pretty diligent about like making sure that I was putting stuff out there that I wanted to and not necessarily trying to, to I guess, impress or be someone that I'm not, um, which I guess is, is challenging in a way because like Instagram is also, it's a resume, and but it's also like, how cool are you type of thing? How is your engagement? How many followers do you have? But those don't necessarily convert to clients. So I found that I was, my engagement was growing and I was putting out stuff that was um, creating a good conversation. Um, it did lead to a few clients reaching out, which I'm happy to, you know, my, my content was resonating with them and they believed that I was able to help them based on the things I was discussing and, and showing in videos and in reels and um, making parodies and stuff. Um, I, I got a little tired though, just, I think that's the, the beast of social media is that you just, totally. it's, it's quite an effort. And as, as great as some people thought my content was, it, it took me a lot of time to just write a post or create a reel and edit it. And it's just, it got really time consuming. That could also be an excuse I'm saying for not, you know, getting better at it and just being less time consuming with it. But, um, I found that the, uh, I was getting more traction, I think starting last, sometime last year from a blog that I wrote on how I cured Morton's neuroma through training. And um, you mentioned that you have a lot of runners in your community and your gym, and um, it doesn't only affect runners. It just happens that it's common among them, but it's, it's a nerve inflammation in the ball of your foot and doctors don't know how to cure it. Like they say, okay, we can try these injections on you. We can try this procedure. Worst case, we just surgically remove the whole nerve and then you're left with a numb foot, partially right. numb foot. And so the options aren't very promising. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, they're transparent about it. They're like, look, we don't exactly know what causes them. We think it's tight fitting shoes or wearing heels. Um, but with my experience with them, I actually started running and sprinting when I had my neuroma, like when I had symptoms. And it was a change of sport for me because I'd been doing Olympic lifting. Mm -hmm. And that was what really aggravated my neuroma because you're in one, you're in the heeled shoes, like the Romaleos, and then two, you're, you're basically jumping for all the movements. You're jumping to snatch, clean and jerk, split jerk. Um, so I had to kind of stop that sport 
I was doing it without jumping. I was doing modified versions, but it's just not the same. It, it wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So I switched um, to running and sprinting. And then that alongside with just making sure that position wise, I was as good as I could be. Um, eventually my neuroma cleared up. And so I wrote about my whole experience with that and how I cured them gradually. And the two main things were just making sure I was getting airflow where it needed to go. For most people, that's somewhere in their back. Um, And teaching my foot how to pronate, not just pronate, but just teaching my foot how to behave like a foot. So pronating at the right time, pronating authentically, I guess, and um, I guess unraveling compensations that I had in my body. And through that blog, I got a lot of people that reached out and I was surprised. I didn't realize neuromas were so common worldwide, but I had a lot of people reach out and I still do have them reach out. And um, a fair amount of them ended up working with me because they're like, look, the doctors aren't helping me. The, what you said, your story, the same exact thing happened to me. And it's just, I'm tired of it. And I want results. Like, I don't want to deal with these symptoms anymore. I want to get back to skipping, to running, to jumping, to, to hiking without pain, to, to playing with my kids, to going on a walk with them, everything you could think of, because if your foot's in pain, it's kind of like, it's a death sentence for anything athletic. Right. So thankfully that's, you know, that, that blog has helped me grow my business, but it's, it's been in a way that's also rewarding because it turned out that something that I thought was a curse in my personal life turned out to be a blessing and not just business-wise, but also to be able to help other people and show them that like, no, you could train this away. You can just train a certain way and you don't need to get these injections necessarily. If they help, great, but apparently they're not. So let's try something different. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, And Morton's neuroma, that kind of sounds like something that you would have to go to a doctor for or have to go to a physical therapist for, but you cured your own, you're helping other people with it. Uh, do you have any like issues when it comes to not necessarily being a doctor or physical therapist, but still helping with that kind of thing, like a scope of practice wise? I'm very transparent and that like, I'm not a PT. I'm not anything medical. I'm a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. I just happen to know things other trainers don't know and have applied a ton of complex science stuff that I'm not going to get into but I'm just going to coach you in a certain way to do this lateral lunge that you've probably never done before. And along with a, another, a whole exercise program, that's, what's going to help the first take inflammation off the forefoot. Cause we have to get you off your toes because you're kind of stuck there. Um, and then we have to get you moving better in X, Y, Z places. We have to get air to flow into X, Y, Z places. And I, if they have any, um, misunderstanding of that, like, oh, this is treatment. I'm always making sure to like say, no, this is training. Mm-hmm. I, I consulted with a PT or a chiropractor or things like that. I didn't work with anyone beyond one consultation session. Like people assume that I did, um, I guess just because it's a pain issue and, and pain you, you associate with someone that you have to see for treatment. Um, just the thing is that the, the treatments that exist for it now, are, are similar to the ones that I went through and they didn't have an effect on me. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be what a lot of people are dealing with. Yeah. The, um, the thing about neuromas is they don't go away. So they, I guess the nerve, once it grows and becomes spidery and fibrous, it, I suppose it stays there. 
Um, for me, I did have an MRI diagnosis because they thought at first it was a, a plantar plate tear and they had to confirm whether it was that or a neuroma to determine if I needed a boot or some other kind of treatment. Yeah. Mine turned out to be an aroma. Um, I had it in my left foot, so I didn't get imaging on the right foot, but the right foot eventually developed the same system. So I'm just like, all right, great. I have neuromas in both feet. Um, and so the people I work with, they have had some kind of diagnosis telling me that it is indeed an aroma. It's not something else. So, but what I tell them is we can make the symptoms go away, which I looked up the definition of cure and it does mean for, to, for symptoms to go away. It doesn't mean cure the actual, the tangible neuroma that exists. Yeah. Cause it's probably going to be there forever. Cause we don't know different at the moment, but right. we can make the symptoms go away or at least very manageable. Um, you feel like most of the clients you're getting right now are neuroma have neuromas or. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool that you're able to help with that, that, with that type of thing. Yeah. They're a, ha a good amount of them are also runners. Yeah. Not everyone is um, a running and aroma client. Some are just aroma clients, but they, they have goals of being able to hike pain-free or to do cross-country skiing or some other kind of sport that is, that's painful at the moment and they just want to be able to get back to it. So it's, you're still, I'm still considering everyone's goals and minds, what they want to work towards, what they want to get out of our time together. Um, and then in terms of priorities, like, what do you want to work on first? Is it, is it an aroma? Do you want to get in shape? And it, you kind of work toward the same thing anyway, because if they want to get back to some kind of athletic activity without pain in their foot, then you, you do have to address an aroma through training. Right. Totally. Um, and I know you already mentioned like some of the folks who you learned from and some of the courses that you have taken to learn what you have, but, uh, would you would you point to any in particular that you feel like have had a huge impact on your training philosophy? Um, could be a long list. No it, it could be, yeah. <laughs> Cause there's so many, there's individual things I liked about each mentor. Yeah. Um, and not, I've had so many mentors, like not everyone was online the way they had, they run like two, three month mentorships. Like I've had in-person mentors as well, but, um, I think the advice I would give is just commit to someone and a lot of young trainers, I won't speak for everyone, but I've had talks where it's like, well, how do I get this information without really paying for it? And it's like, I mean, everything's available on Google, you know, it's just, you're going to get the best experience and the best value for your time. If you just hire someone, if you pay someone to, to learn from and I've paid a lot of smarter people than me to learn from. <laughs> like, uh, probably accumulates up to a college tuition at this point, but it's, that's been the best bang for my buck. Um, I, I, do, I do think there is value in understanding respiratory influences. I won't say like a certain school of thought. Um, I think PRI is great. I think the way a lot of coaches have integrated it and created mentorships is great. Um, you don't have to take one over the other necessarily. I think whichever one resonates best with that specific coach will be really helpful because like the whole, it just, man, it just helps. It just, it just helps to understand like, oh, this is probably the reason that this hip is different than this one. And you don't need to stretch this hamstring. You don't need to go into this half meal position. You don't have to force this person to squat. It's probably a bad idea. 
at this moment in time. Let's wait a month. Let's have them do these other exercises for now. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think it helps for a trainer to understand a little bit about the nervous system, a little bit about the respiratory system, a little bit about how we're built asymmetrically and how that influences range of motion, just because we work with bodies. Right. And it's, it'll help make you, I guess, less confident, but in a good way. Yeah. Like in a curiosity way, like not less confident, like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I think a little bit of that is a good shock just to be like, man, there's so much more to learn. Yeah. (laughs) when you first take PRI, you're just like, oh my God, I've been doing everything wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then you get back to it and it's like, no, you didn't hurt anyone. Like the body's pretty resilient. You can have people do bad form with heavy weight and they'll be fine. Like, you just, but it's, it also comes down to like, what's your, like, what's your niche? What's the person that you typically work with? Me, I just happen to work with people who have some kind of pain or issue and like I said, I'm not a PT. I'm not a physio. I'm not anyone that specializes in this, but I can look at you in detail. Let's see what's not doing what it's supposed to. Let's see what can be moving better. Let's see what we have to do in terms of this is the first step. Then we can do these next steps. Um, and learning from people like those people I mentioned have, have been very instrumental in terms of helping me come up with an assessment process that now I'm just like, all right, cool. I have a process. I have a system. It's taken me seven, eight years to like really feel like, all right, this is making a big difference. And I can refer back to it whenever I need to, to reassess someone to, to manage something I didn't before I can look at their measurements. Um, and that's not the only thing that makes a difference. It's just within my scope. I think it's, it's been really helpful. So Mm -hmm. having some kind of system makes a huge deal. I agree. Um, how do you, do you have any type of system on how you find somebody to learn from? You know, for me, it's been Instagram <laughs> for me. It's been because it does serve the purpose of like, it's, it's a global resume. You can just exist on that platform. You put out good stuff. You attract people who, who like what you're doing, who find it interesting, want to learn more from you. And then they sign up for your course. They sign up for your mentorship. So um, that, and also word of mouth, like when you see your friends, like sharing how great of an experience they had learning from this mentorship, you're like, oh, cool. This is interesting. Let me check that out. And then maybe you sign up too. Mm-hmm. Um, it also comes down to like where in your career you are. So year one trainers, maybe not as interested, maybe year four, year five, when they've seen a lot and they're kind of maybe a little bored at the same time. And they want to dive into some more complex stuff. Yeah. But with someone who knows how to teach it, where it's not going to go over your head. Right. That, I think the timing matters too. Totally. But yeah, I came across, I think everyone that I learned from, I found somehow through Instagram, can't say exactly how, maybe someone posted them, maybe someone shared their profile, maybe I was tagged, maybe I found them on search, but it's been social media, ironically. Yeah, same for me. <laughs> um, and for any, any new trainers starting out in the field, would you have any advice for them? Yeah. Um, you're never going to know it all, but that's a good thing. <laughs> and I think if you choose to go into the complex stuff a little sooner, 
I think there's pros and cons. The cons are going to be like, it's going to be a little overwhelming at first, but you can also choose someone that doesn't make it feel overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the same time, you're setting yourself up with more tools. You won't always need to apply that stuff to a client, especially if you're working with just general population, they're healthy, they're not coming to you, recovering from an injury, they just want to get in shape. Um, so I guess it also depends on the trainer. Yeah. Um, me personally, I just, um, weight loss, fat loss goals, hypertrophy goals, they're just not as interesting to me as they are for other trainers. So that's just not what I chose to specialize in. Um, and those people, they may not need any respiratory influence in their program or, or foot stuff, or they can right. get away with whatever other types of stuff that'll drive fitness. Um, so I think as long as you know what interests you and you're cool with those interests guiding the kind of population you're going to be working with, then I'd say stick to that. You can't really make a wrong decision. Yeah, love that. And um, if anybody wants to learn more about you or, or read your Neuroma blog post, where could they find you? I have a website. It's skilledstrong.co. It's not C-O-M. That one was taken. So I just <laughs> skills, S-K-I-L-L-E-D, strong.co. Cool. And um, same handle for Instagram, Skilled Strong. Facebook is Skilled Strong. Um, and I think apparently now that the Google search has like populated that blog up so much from people searching it, it's you can probably search it as well. But it's on my website in the blog post. And um, yeah, you can also find it online. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Romina. This has been uh, amazing. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun.